I have found a direct correlation between anger and TMI. What is TMI? What have I told you about over here? It can be several different things, actually. Yeah, hello, it's all my little friends with all their little dreams. Too much information. I have been seen and I love it. Sometimes it can be funny or it can be super embarrassing. Oh, crap! Why did I just say that? TMI. TMI with Teresa. All right, so this is officially the very first podcast. And oh my guess, gosh, I didn't realize I was the first. You're the first, and uh, this no is no pressure, no pressure at all. I'm just glad. Are we recording? All right. <laughs> so I have a friend in studio. This is Allison Brimblecom, and we need to first of all, you want to say calm. Because that's right. how it's spelled. But you right. pronounce it Brimblecum, right? Yes. Okay. It's actually Brimblecum. Okay. But we're just ingrained to say dot com. Oh, okay. You know, so <laughs> it just kind of comes. I don't ever correct people. Okay. Yeah. I just want this podcast. It's called TMI, which, you know, too much information. For me, it's going to be a lot about pop culture and it's going to be about uh, TV shows that I watch, binge watching, just anything, you know, movies. But I also thought, you know, it's a really great way to, I don't know, have TMI about people that I know and just... I don't know, have conversations with interesting people in my life. And I, when I thought of interesting people, I thought of you. Well, thank you. It's a big honor. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you feel like there's people you meet that you just feel drawn to them? Like you just get a positive energy from them? Yeah, totally. And I'm totally a fangirl of yours. So thank you. (laughs) When I had, I knew Billy was coming to the radio station. I was like, can I go please? Well, I'm so glad (laughs) that you did because I really enjoyed meeting you. And uh, I have so many questions for you. When we first met, we were talking about you and your husband. And this could get confusing because we're both married to Billy. Right. Yes. (laughs) I got to meet you and your husband in our studio. We were talking about Thunder Gong. And I remember I was really impressed when we were asking how you met. And he actually was going through his cancer treatment when you met. That's right. Yeah. And I think that takes a really special person to not even really know someone and, you know, head down that journey with them. How did you meet? Well, yeah, thank you. I we met at our church, actually. And I really can't take any credit for walking through the majority of his cancer journey at all, his friends and family really walked so much harder things with him than I did. You know, the diagnosis and losing his leg and all of that. But we met at the tail end of his chemo treatments and really didn't start really connecting until after he lost his leg. And so I remember him joking he didn't have any hair when you met. Totally bald, <laughs> no eyelashes or eyebrows. It's funny now to look back, but it was, it didn't seem weird to me at the time. Now it seems so weird. And when my I took him home to my family, they were like, okay, like, you know, because he was just now looking back, he looked really sick and really wasn't himself that we know today. But I think it speaks more just about him and his personality. I was just so drawn in. He's just... I just knew, I wouldn't say it was love at first sight, <laughs> but really like I fell in love with him really early on just talking to him and I just felt like he was kind of like this really passionate, charming, funny, hilarious guy and I was just drawn into that and I was immediately thinking, this guy's probably going to break my heart because this is the kind of guy like I'm drawn to, like really charming and kind of acts like they're 
into you, but they're really not. Like I kind of had that pattern in my life. But then it wouldn't work Um, out in the past. Right. Where I'm kind of like, I think this guy might kind of like me, but I was usually wrong. Um, But that wasn't the case with him, which was really great. He was really just straightforward. And yeah, we just hit it off really early on, even in the midst of just like this really hard situation Mm -hmm. health wise that he was going into and I think his personality too um, he was just so forward thinking with what he was going through you know he's going through he had just lost his leg but he was always looking forward to like I'm gonna get through this I'm gonna be walking again I'm gonna be playing drums again I just knew he wasn't gonna be in that space forever of you know being a, a cancer patient basically and it's so true now I feel like it's a part of his story but it's not really his identity at all how long have you been married now It'll be 12 years in June. Wow. So do you feel, or even back then, did you feel like, wow, this is really heavy. And if we can get through this together, then there couldn't be anything worse. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, it's hard to know like what I was even thinking. I just kind of just felt like I was just so sure like this was my guy. Mm -hmm. And how long did you date before you got married? We dated nine months and then we were engaged nine months. How long yeah. had you dated other men in the past? Was that kind of fast? Um, I had never really had super serious relationships. I'd always just kind of been, I don't know, he, Billy has a different answer for that question. But yeah, I had never really, I kind of thought maybe I would be one of those people that didn't get married till I was a lot older because I just had never really had any serious relationships for very long where I was really like, this is the person I'm going to marry and had my heart broken. I just was kind of, I didn't really have a lot of boyfriends. I went on dates and kind of things, but um, how old were you when you guys met? So I was 25. Okay. And so I went to a Christian college too. And the culture of Christian colleges is most people get married like in college or right after. So I felt like I was so old, you know, at 25 because all of my friends were married, starting to have kids, which is totally a lie. It's not old at all. But. Now looking back, <laughs> don't you feel like, wow, yes. I was just a baby at 25. Total. And yes. I feel like I'm a completely different person than yes. I was. I was basically 25 when I got married too. I was 24, but I turned 25 like, like seriously two weeks later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, looking back on it now, I mean, I still would have made the same choices in my life. But I almost feel like I wish I could have done it a little later because I do feel like I still had a lot of maturing to do and a lot of growing up. Totally. You just, I don't know, when you're that young, 30 seems so old and 40 seems so old. And then now I'm 45 and I feel like, no, it was so young. Right. (laughs) I didn't know anything back then. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And you think you know everything, which is dangerous. So it is true. (laughs) I wish I could go back and talk to my young self and just... I feel like I would tell myself to be more confident. Yeah. Don't sweat the small stuff. Who cares what anybody else thinks? I was so, I really, I don't know how I got into radio because when I was young, I did not have any confidence. I was always, when I would go to church, I'm the one in the back of the sanctuary. And then when I'd pick a new classroom, I'm the one who goes straight to the back of the room. And that's, I don't know, that's just always been my mentality for some reason. And I don't know why. I wouldn't think that about you. Yeah, I, I definitely, I are you into the Enneagram at all? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay, that's a whole other podcast. Um, or it could I'm, be this one. This is about anything we want to talk. That's why it's called TMI. We're throwing way well, too much information at you. I'm one of those people that's annoying, uh, talks about the Enneagram all the time because I'm kind of obsessed with it. But well, it's a personality it? test, for lack of a better term. Nine personality types. But it's so it's really deep and interesting and really, really helpful. But I've discovered I'm an Enneagram 3. And 3s are kind of an achiever type of personality and one of the 
dark sides or downsides of a three is we can worry way too much about what people think Mm -hmm. and how we're being perceived. And so I think knowing that about myself now, I can just kind of have that self-awareness to like most time, most of the time, nobody's thinking as much about me. No one's thinking about me. They're thinking about themselves. Right. (laughs) So yeah. So what you're saying, you know, I think talking to my younger self, like quit worrying so much about all of that. And I think, you know, I'm 39. I turned 40 this year. I think that's something a lot of women in their 40s have said. You just kind of let go of all that because you're just kind of like, who cares? Like, why are we trying to be perfect? Easier said than done, though. Knowing that that's your personality type, have you really tried to stop worrying about you can try to stop worrying about what other people think, but have you been able to do it? Because that is one of my flaws too. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me. And Mm -hmm. so I'm constantly apologizing for stuff, even if it's not my fault. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just making sure that everyone's happy. Are you comfortable? Do you have what you need? (laughs) You know, I totally put myself last all of the time. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a common theme for women in general, and especially moms Mm -hmm. and people in that caretaking space. But yeah, I think it, it when you bring awareness around it, you can kind of catch yourself like I'm stressing out about things and does this really matter? But it is easier said than done. Yeah, but definitely. I used to think everybody was like that. And you find out through the Enneagram, like there, there are more image conscious types than others. And so it's really interesting just to kind of kind of dive into how other people are wired and how they see the world so and then Billy's a seven which is the enthusiast and so it really I'm really talking about the Enneagram on here and this is going to annoy people it's about things that are important (laughs) to you and that's what this is about it's about just having good conversations and getting to know people yes it's I can see me, him being an enthusiast. It's helping me understand <laughs> him. And his, like sevens are usually really fun and outgoing, but they avoid pain at all costs. So it really explains a lot about how he walked through his cancer journey. Because some people walk through cancer and then they really want to be a part of that cancer community. For example, they want to do the cancer walks and they want to wear the t-shirts. And they, they find a lot of um, encouragement from that community or that identity or they want to really share their story a lot talk about their their journey I found with just different people I know that have walked through cancer and it's not that Billy doesn't want to share his story but it's really not part of his identity and he even through this journey he was like he made a t-shirt that said forward on it and Mm -hmm. he made playlists for himself that were like encouraging songs and like it was all looking forward and he really doesn't look back and dwell on it at all I've noticed that Um, when we interview him about steps of faith and about Thundergong, he kind of brushes over his part and wants to talk about this is what we're doing for other people now this is how you can help us help other people Um, because it's painful and really to revisit that and he will when he feels like it's appropriate and he Mm -hmm. needs to but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to talk about painful things and that's kind of a characteristic of seven so right I can see that yeah so he is a drummer and you sing and uh, I I know you guys are in an amazing group called Summer Breeze did I see something on social media it's 10 years celebrating 10 years years of being a band our first show was 10 years ago in April so we're we're doing a celebration show this April a lot Uh, of fun yeah I'm, I'm guessing that was something you guys had in common and eventually you moved to Nashville right that's right how did that come about We were married a couple of years, and um, Billy was kind of just doing freelance music here in Kansas City, which there's not a lot of, you know, but just doing what he could and kind of odd jobs. And we just kind of had it in the back, both both of our minds, that maybe Nashville would be a good fit for us if he was really going to try a music career. 
And um, so we just decided to do it. And we went there with like really knowing nobody and no money and no plan. Was this before kids? <laughs> totally before kids. That would not have worked for us probably. But yeah, so we lived in Nashville seven years. And um, Billy just became like a professional, you know, networker trying because that's kind of how the music industry works. Right. Unfortunately, is you can't just apply for jobs. You know, it's just about who, you know, so we just try to engage in the community there and meet people. And he did really well. And he did. He had a lot of a lot of work there, um, a lot of heartbreak there. <laughs> it's uh, Nashville is uh, so amazing. There's so many talented people there and a lot of I would say Enneagram threes that are like all achievers <laughs> um, and artists and musicians. And um, but I mean, if you've ever been there, you know, you go to the airport and there's this phenomenal singer like you would hear on The Voice and they're just singing in an airport mm-hmm. bar. Kind of like in like, New York. They're just in the subway. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much talent here. And it's not that it's wasted. It's just it's just really hard to get attention. And mm-hmm. the music business has changed so much over the last years, uh, last few years, obviously, with technology and the with way YouTube. Yeah, just all of that has just changed how musicians make money and the saturation of how many people are out there. And it's not a bad thing. It's just changed. And so anyway, did we, you ever want to be a singer? I yes and no. I've just I'm not a songwriter. And I'm also not good at any instrument <laughs> I can Did you ever kind try? of play the piano I grew up playing piano but not enough to like you know sit down like Lady Gaga or somebody right. so um that has always kind of held me back so I've always kind of been in the background I did a few things here and there in Nashville but I yeah I've just never really pursued it I think because it just wasn't practical and in some ways I'm grateful for that but in other ways I'm kind of like I should have maybe gone for it a little bit more when I was younger and had, you know, but yeah, I just, I just did a few things here and there in Nashville, but it was really, I was a, as a teacher full time. So I taught public schools and kind of had held down the fort while Billy what did, you teach? did his thing. I did um, elementary school. I started in second grade and I taught kindergarten. And then when we moved to Nashville, I taught second and third English language learners and I was a mentor teacher, so I was a little bit all over in elementary school. Doing so, that. when did you have your kids? Then were you still in Nashville, or did you move back home first? We uh, they were both born in Nashville, and then um, when our daughter, so our son Leo is six, and our daughter Goldie is four, and so when Goldie was eighteen months, it was about the time that we moved back here to Kansas City. Was it because you felt like you just wanted your family around you and you needed help? That was part of it. And um, Nashville's changed a lot in the last 10 years. It kind of went from this small town feel to just a traffic nightmare. And it's become very, very popular. And it just started to feel oppressive. And when Billy, he changed his job to Steps of Faith Foundation six years ago now, didn't have the time to really do music and we were kind of just asking ourselves like why are we still here when we love Kansas City we didn't really leave Kansas City because we wanted to live in Nashville necessarily we just knew that Nashville was the place to pursue music at the time and we kind of just always left it very open-ended like not really sure if this is well where we will put down roots and raise our kids what we're just gonna see and it just started to become very clear to both of us like Kansas City is really our home and the music business is not keeping us here we can probably do more music actually in Kansas City which has been the has been the case 
so we haven't we came we moved back and we've been so happy with that decision but yeah both of our kids were born there and it is nice to be close to our family of mm-hmm. course and um I have family here and then in Springfield Missouri so it's it's just awesome to just have a, a three-hour drive to go visit my family or and be there versus you know, plane rider, 10 hour drive. So, so when you perform with summer breeze, what is that like for you to get up on stage? Is it kind of a break from just being a mom or is it like you just feel, how do you feel when you're on stage performing? I love it. And summer breeze for those that don't know, because we're not famous. Very outside of Kansas I think you're Kansas city famous. <laughs> it's a yacht rock cover band. So I just want to clar- clarify that it is a cover band. Billy is very much an encyclopedia of music and music um, trivia and knowledge. And, a lot of the guys that we're friends with that are in this band with us are the same way. And so I wish there was like just a video camera getting all of their banter and rehearsals and stuff like that, because it's, it's really hilarious. And then myself and then Greg LaFollette, who plays keys, we're a little bit younger and Greg's younger than me even. And so we're just outside of that age where we really kind of know all the songs that we've heard. Like when you are around in the world, you hear those songs in elevators and like, (laughs) doctors waiting rooms like they start you they follow you everywhere you realize you hear those songs all the time I was in eighth grade when the song came out totally (laughs) yeah but yeah I mean being on stage and performing is really really fun for me and I don't feel like I really get a chance to do that since I've been out of you know really high school um, where I did more of that you know school plays and all that kind of stuff and so it's fun to have this outlet and get to play with really talented friends and they kind of give me a space there that I've been on stage with uh Winona that's true famous people what was that like oh my gosh did you feel pressure were you nervous I was so nervous yes and I mean Winona is a hero of mine and she's amazing so I was just trying like don't screw this she's super nice she's so nice she's like this really she's really this peaceful presence I feel like that any I have spent just a little bit of time with her over the last few years um, because her husband Cactus is an amputee and actually connected with Billy after he lost his leg in a motorcycle accident and now is on Billy's board of directors. So Billy and, and Cactus connected in Nashville. And then so we've had these little like moments where we've spent with them. And I mean, I'm just freaking out the whole time, obviously. Were you because, a Judds fan growing up? Yeah, I mean, I yes. And Winona solo stuff and so it's just like a very surreal moment to be sitting in the same room with her she's very she's larger than life she's so colorful and like striking but she's also just this really peaceful zen person kind of motherly Which seems odd just because you know if you watch like the movie about her life yeah. it seems like they went through so much yeah there's a lot of drama up. there yeah yeah there's maybe a she's lot just of hit drama a peaceful there. point in her and maybe her husband this because all that yeah. stuff you see in the past didn't involve the husband she's right with now. And maybe he's brought that piece to her life. Yes. She just is kind of like, there's no room for any BS. And you can just feel that. Yeah. She's just like. No, I get that. Even though yeah. there was drama in her life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's hilarious. She's sweet. Cactus reminds me a lot of Billy, like 10 years older. Mm-hmm. He's probably a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you meet someone, do you do you right away think, I know what they, like, what would you say I am? 
I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to type somebody else. They really, you really have to do it for yourself. You'll have to show me how to figure it out and we'll have an update. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you can have an Enneagram episode of TMI. So, okay. Yes. And that is probably way TMI. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's talk about your kids then. They are absolutely yeah. adorable. Thank you. You, how did being a mom change your life? They're still, you said they're six and four, right? Just yeah. had a birthday. Yes. Um, I mean, in all the ways, I've always really dreamed about being a mom. And I know that was something really important to Billy when we first even started dating. He talked about that. And it's really a miracle. I mean, we both, you know, if we talk about it, we cry just because we really weren't sure with Billy's cancer journey, if, you know, having kids would be an option for us without additional support and help and that kind of thing, or maybe even adopting. And it, it that wasn't the case for us. And so, we just feel really blessed that the, we just got these gifts after Billy went through such a hard journey. Um, that was just not part of our story that getting pregnant, I don't know why I'm avoiding saying getting pregnant, <laughs> but getting pregnant wasn't difficult if that's TMI, which I feel like I don't even deserve like, but that was just an easy part of our story. For some reason, that was just a grace that God gave us. Did you ever think about going back to teaching once you had your kids or you knew I'm going to be at home? Um, I wasn't for sure when I started when when Leo was born, I was still teaching. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But I actually for many years, I had actually when we moved to Nashville, I tried to get like any other job. <laughs> because teaching, I love so many things about it, but it's just a really stressful job. And um, I, no one would hire me to do anything. They're like, well, your resume, like, why are you not teaching? I actually interviewed at this um, doctor's office just to be a receptionist. And he's actually like, my daughter teaches at the school and I, I'm going to get you an interview there. That's okay. <laughs> and I felt no like thanks. all of these things kept bringing me back in um, to teaching. And so I actually just ended up going back and I, I ended up at this wonderful school with a wonderful principal and I'm glad that I did, but it was always kind of in the back of my mind, like, I wish that I could do something else. I just didn't know what. So when Leo was born, we stayed home and I, I started staying home and Billy really had no job and we were like totally uh, rock bottom financially. But I just, I just looked at him like, it's on you now. Like I have to, I can't go back there. Right. <laughs> I couldn't, and we had no family. We had no sitter in place. Like we just didn't really know what we were going to do. Then that's when Billy got his steps of faith job. And it was like this total miracle. But a year later, and then actually when, when Leo was, I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. But when Leo was a, a tiny baby, he was probably two months old. A friend invited me. She actually was our landlord and a friend of ours. So we were living in her rental house and she lived like two streets over from us. So we lived in the same neighborhood and um, she had started um, this essential oils business. And I really was surprised by that. It just seemed like something. She was really into natural things. She ran a farmer's market in Nashville. So I always really trusted like her advice and her opinions on things like things like that. But I was really surprised that she was doing a network marketing business. And she invited me to a class that she had for new moms, actually, and for babies. And so I went. It was kind of the first thing that I put on real pants for and went to after <laughs> Leo That's was so born. True. <laughs> you know, you remember those things. Um, like, what shirt can I fit into and button at this point um, after having a baby? And um, I was just in love like that night. Like, 
I just had no idea what essential oils could do and that you could put them on your skin and put them on your baby and you could drink some of them. I just thought and they were... It seems so weird, doesn't it, that you can do all yeah. of those things? <laughs> it was not... I had no idea. Like, how could something I put on my skin be good to go in my mouth? Right. <laughs> and um, I was... So, again, we had no money at the time, but I, like, dug a credit card out of our dust drawer that I had tried to put away because Dave Ramsey told me not to use credit cards. That Dave Ramsey takes all of the fun out of life. But I didn't quite Dave Ramsey it because he tells you to cut it up, but I didn't do that. But um, I bought a, an oils kit on our credit card and um, we just started using them. And she started talking to me about the business and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And then a year later, um, I just, I just couldn't help telling everybody about these oils like people were sick my friends are sick and I was like making them oil things in little jars like I didn't have like any sample bottles or anything like I have now I just was like I just felt like everybody needed them <laughs> and I still feel that way so I was dropping things off on people's porches I was like well come over and you know I'm gonna oil you up if you're not feeling well your kids <laughs> that sounds weird out of context <laughs> totally <laughs> weird. I'm gonna oil you up <laughs> I'll oil you up it's a thing I say often I know it sounds kind of uh, yeah, sounds weird. It Do you is feel weird. like you were drawn to it initially because you had a new baby and as a mom, you just were super paranoid about all of the chemicals and all the things that are in products? Do you feel like that's why you at Definitely. first were interested? Definitely. Yeah. And um, just to make like a, a longer version of that, it was, I was really sick in my 20s. I had a lot of health issues and I was not a healthy person at all as far as like naturally minded about what I was eating or any products that we had in our home, I was just like a, an average person using, you know, anything else anybody would clean with. I ate fast food every single day. Oh gosh, that's me, unfortunately. I mean, I really had no, I know I wasn't obese necessarily, but I was not um, healthy. Mm -hmm. And so people didn't really question me because I wasn't, didn't have a huge weight problem, but I was so unhealthy and was sick a lot. I had like a long list of things wrong with me that I won't go into, but I started making the switch actually when I met Billy because he was like going, he had just gone through cancer. So he had to make healthier choices. And he was on this health journey. He was seeing an acupuncturist and he was like appalled by the way that I ate. <laughs> He's like, what? Like you're going through McDonald's like for the second Every time meal. today. Yeah. Cause for me, I Don't was judge. <laughs> all about like what was quick, what cost five bucks cost, you know, took me five minutes, but I, um, I felt terrible all the time. And, uh, was seeing all these doctors. I had chronic headaches. I was a narcoleptic, which I would fall asleep like anywhere. Really? Yes. Like we just being sarcastic, or you really think you no. might have actually had narcolepsy? I wouldn't be like walking down the street and <laughs> fall, asleep, fall asleep, but I could not stay awake if I sat down. Like I, I slept through rock concerts, Broadway plays, our favorite comedians. Were you getting like for me, I've done that, but I get up at three in the morning. No, you didn't have a schedule I could like that sleep for like 12 hours and never feel rested. I was always in this fog. I just I and I was a teacher. So I um, like I, I would I would like sometimes have to take a nap like in the middle of the day. So my kids would be like at PE and I had this closet in my room, like a walk-in storage closet, I would lock myself in there and set a timer on my phone. In the closet. In the closet, so I, cause I could just not keep my eyes open. So I would like take like a 10 minute, 20 minute cat nap and then just like pound my soda and try, I was just so tired. And then I would come home from work, I would sleep 
And then I would set my alarm for like two in the morning to like keep doing my like lesson plans or grading that I needed to do. And it was just like crazy town. But did you ever think this there's something wrong or you just thought this is life. I'm busy. I have a hectic schedule. This is normal. No, I I thought there was something really like terribly wrong with me. I thought I had some like autoimmune disease or at one point I thought I had a brain tumor because I had constant headaches. I had MRIs. I had um, so you did go to my a neck. doctor. Oh, I went, I went to so many doctors, chiropractors, and they didn't really ask me what I was eating or what, I, you know, that anything. Surprises me. No, it was just like, well, um, because you weren't overweight. So they I didn't think overweight. that was part of the problem. Um, I mean, I always had like five or 10 pounds, but not like extreme overweight. I was also in a car accident. So they like years before that. So I thought maybe that injury really, I thought I was just like, like maybe traumatized for trauma. life. Yeah. So I, a lot of the doctors just summed it up. Well, you were hit from behind in this car accident and you had this neck injury. So how did you figure out that it had to do with your lifestyle so, and what you were ingesting? I, I was on this path with all these doctors and medications and I just, I don't think I realized how bad I felt. I just was kind of like, you know, I just think I'm a kind of a low energy person is kind of what you start to believe. I'm that way. I took naps twice a day until I was like six, my mom said. <laughs> oh I've gosh. always been a napper. <laughs> oh my gosh. So to me, what you're describing would have been totally normal. But for you, I can well, see, see where now it probably it's wasn't. Not, now it's I just thought that's how I am or I've got something wrong with me and they just can't figure it out. I started going to Billy's acupuncturist. He was the first person that told me, you know that you're not sick, right? And I just started bawling, you know, because the first person that told me you're well, you're healthy. Let's just like, let's talk about what you're eating. Let's talk about drinking some water. So it gave you some <laughs> peace of mind. Like it's not, yeah. I'm not dying. I just got to yeah. figure out the problem. It helped me take my health into my own hands instead of just blaming it on a car accident, blaming it on some unknown disease. And I realized I ha I can take control of this. So that was the first time that I started getting to the root of my food sensitivities. I have a huge sensitivity sensitivity to gluten, um, dairy. I started drinking water. And then I started reading. Um, I started reading these books about toxins in the home as far as cleaning products and our personal care and that kind of stuff. You know, started reading about what affects your thyroid and it was just really, I just started really eating that stuff up. I was just so excited to like have this world open up of just natural living. And so then, and I started feeling better. So I would kind of go back and forth with the gluten because I would kind of be like, oh, I'm feeling better. And then I would go back to eating my old ways. And then I would just like, Why I used to have like that? chronic sinus infections as well. And it really wasn't always my stomach. So that again was harder for me to make the connection that it was a food thing right you're just thinking maybe it's just yeah. allergies so. yeah so but then um I hit kind of a rock bottom day where I just was like okay and I cut gluten out I mean we are now like what, nine years in ten years in but I just started like thinning out I lot like I had eczema on my skin it went away really I started not falling asleep anymore. To me, that would like, be the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, I just like <laughs> I'm not one taking, day, I'm not sleeping in closets anymore. <laughs> no closet naps. 
But we could, Billy used to just get so embarrassed because I would just not be able to stay awake for things. I mean, like the front row of concerts and I would just be like bobbing my you. head. I'm with you. But you know, mine's for a different reason. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. very embarrassing because you're like, I should be having so much fun and I just want to go home and go to bed. I just, you just can't keep your eyes open. Um, so we would sit down and watch a movie and he, he would just expect that I would not make it through it. And I'd be like... I stayed awake for the whole movie. Um, so I started just noticing little by little, like all of these things went away and got better. Fast forward, I was already into kind of like natural living at this point. And um, I kind of knew like if I had a cold or something, I could do like some garlic or like green juice or I'm going to do honey or whatever. But I didn't know what I would do for my baby if he got sick. And so when somebody, you know, my friend introduced me to oils, that's, I was like, this is kind of the missing piece of how I take care of myself. Yeah, so now I do that as my full-time business five years later. And um, I love it. It's just, I love, I feel like everybody needs oils. I feel like they've saved me so much heartache as a mom and just (laughs) a person in the world just because things happen. And like, there's usually an oil that will help you. Not always. Still need doctors, of course, but it's just, it's helped me. And then that feeling that I felt as a person that, you know, had all these weird you know, seemingly unrelated health issues. I didn't really have a community of people that were naturally minded that I could turn to and they'd be like, girl, you need to like quit eating gluten or like, you know, that's like the first thing a lot of people would have told me in our community now if I was like, I just can't stay awake. You know, I have Mm -hmm. people now that I feel like are around in this community. I feel like that's the biggest gift that's been given to me as far as doing this business and also just inviting people in as oil users even if they're not doing the business, is that you have these people that are knowledgeable and can help you in that space navigate just your health and how to feel better without just getting medication. Uh, you know, not that we don't need medication, but for me, it didn't help me for mm-hmm. years, you know, and so I just, I felt very lonely and isolated. And now I just, I love that feeling of having this community of people that can help each other. Are you an organized person? Is your house always neat and put together and you know, you have a calendar and you keep track of things because I am not. I'm super unorganized. I'm I'm really a mess, but I'm a three. So I worry about what people are going to think about my mess. <laughs> so I keep my house together if I know people are coming over, but it's hard for me. It's not a if skill. If you know someone's out. coming over, yes. if someone just randomly rings your doorbell, yeah. are you going to secretly die inside? Because I do. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm and yes. I'm not I'm not being sarcastic. I mean secretly I'm dying on the inside. There's yes. my doorbell rings all the time and I ignore it. I get really quiet and I turn the TV off because uh, I don't want them to know I'm home because my house is always a mess. <laughs> I live in and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about in my blog. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm doing this website and blog and podcast is because I need something to vent and to just share because I know I'm not alone. Yeah. But um, you know, we lived in our house for 13 years. Yeah. And there's rooms that look like we just moved in. I swear our spare room is simply a bed, not even a headboard, just a bed. And that's where all of the things that don't have a place go to live. I'm constantly going through closets and making Goodwill bags, but they have to sit in the room for, I don't know, six months or so. You know, one bag is not enough to go to Goodwill. I have to wait until they, um, you know, accumulate. And then they just sit there. Um, I have so many just boxes. I mean, you can't even get in that closet. It's just junk. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I always have things like that. I have. Um, have you watched any Marie Kondo? I won't watch it because I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm seriously. I'm serious. I'm. I'm worried that I'm going to feel super guilty, and yes. that every problem she addresses in her show on Netflix is going to be me. 
<laughs> somehow I'm that person and I'm that person and uh, yeah, it will I actually make you change. feel better about yourself probably do you think because have you some, done it like I've heard that you have to kiss your stuff does it give you joy like kiss it goodbye okay no I don't go that far <laughs> doesn't she do that though does yes. it give you joy if it doesn't okay then kiss it goodbye yeah I think because some people it's so emotional I mean these people that have a house filled with stuff I'm not saying her method is bad. I haven't gone all in with her method, but it does inspire you to just get rid of the junk that's not serving you, you know? Mine is not that I'm emotionally attached. Yeah. Here's my problem. Um, okay, so like, let's say we want to clean out the basement. So you start cleaning it out. We, our, ours isn't finished. And I feel horrible that I have a son who's about to go off to college and he's never had a finished basement to hang out with his friends. I mean, that's horrible, mm -hmm. but it's not finished. And so I start thinking, well, let's go through the basement. We're gonna start cleaning. So then I start going through it. I'm like, okay, we need to take this up to the garage. Oh, wait, the garage is filled with junk. Maybe we should wait and let's clean out the garage. And then I think, oh, wait, hold on. And it just is endless. And yeah. I get overwhelmed and I go yeah. take a nap. Yes. Because I'm depressed. Yes. Seriously. And I just want to cry. I, and then nothing ever gets yes. done. <laughs> yes. You are not alone. I think that's normal. I think uh, I have gotten, well, we, so we moved two and a half years ago and it was like the third or fourth time that we had moved. And every time you move, you know, you have that box where you just like get to the end and you just throw a bunch of crap in there. Right, right. <laughs> so we were just like the next time we move, we are not going to have crap boxes, you know, just like, cause we still have stuff in our basement we have not opened from two and a half years ago. So I'm like, there could be something really awesome in that box. I doubt it. But, <laughs> but then you yeah. think, well, if I haven't needed it for two years, yeah. then why do I need it? Should I just throw it away? Yeah. And I, and I hear experts say that, but then I think, but what if there's something really amazing in there that I've just <laughs> thrown away? Yeah. It, but you know what? I'm in my forties now and I'm all, I'm very sentimental. I, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of things that I save. I still have my, my wedding bouquet. I have everything. Mm -hmm. But um, as I get older, I think, well, what am I saving it for? Mm -hmm. Am I going to have it when I'm 70 and then just throw it away because I'm 70 and I don't need it? Mm -hmm. You know, and there's certain certain things like I'm all about photos and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I look back and I'm like, you know what? Do I really need these flowers? I could throw them away now. Yeah. And I wonder about stuff like that. Do you hang I on know. to a lot of little I things? I do have my bouquet. It's really dried up and fragile. And <laughs> Mine were fake. Oh, <laughs> they well, were, they were silk flowers. <laughs> but they're um, very dusty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have my wedding dress. It's sealed up in one of those vacuum sealed boxes. Yes. And uh, But I have two boys. They're never going to use it. Yeah. It's out of style. Although I think by this time, you know, we're coming up on 21 years of marriage. I think it's coming yeah. back in style. Yes. But I've thought about, you know, opening it up and just maybe turning it into pillows or something that I can give each of my boys and, yeah. you know, give my mom something like that. But, yeah. you know, you just, why, why do we hang on to stuff I know it's hard for me too. I do get depressed going through old memories it's hard for me mm -hmm. to go back even though they're good memories I don't know what that is the emotion tied tied to it right like my husband tells me I have this one box of stuff it's stuff that I have memories from but they're not my most special memories. Like I think I have um, some stuff from camp and I have yeah. uh, maybe, you know, that senior composite picture that they take. Well, I only have like three really good friends from high school that I still talk to and care about. Do I really need that senior composite? Yeah. <laughs> I have my yearbooks. I have my senior photos. Yeah. I could probably throw away that big giant composite of the entire senior class. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Little things like that. I, for me, I think I've just kind of tabled all of the like sentimental things. And I've just said, okay, we're keeping this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to deal with that. And it's, we have room for it. As long as you don't live in like in a loft apartment, we have room for it right now. And then I've tried to tackle other things in the house because it just, it does give me more peace when things are clean mm -hmm. and pretty. So like, I just kind of start with one thing at a time. 
Like I, our garage was driving me crazy. And the other day it was nice. And I just was like, today's the day to get into the end of this garage. And now when I drive in there, I'm so happy. (laughs) So then you kind of get addicted to that feeling of like, and I'm really not good at organizing, Mm -hmm. but I've just kind of just started doing it and throwing things away and our closet. So when we wa- we started watching the Marie Kondo. It's a Netflix show, right? I it's need on to watch Netflix. it. It did. And it was like, I have all these clothes. I don't wear them. Or I'm hoping I'm going to like lose weight to fit into them again. Like, no, like I don't need to hold on to these. I'm just going to. So we purged a lot of stuff. And now it's just so much more peaceful when we get ready in the morning because I'm not digging through this messy closet. I need to do that. How so, is your bathroom counter? Yeah. Because, okay, you know, I don't mean to have 5,000 tubes of mascara. Yeah. But I don't know. It's like you get free samples or you get this and that. And then I just, I feel horrible. I can't just throw things away. And I'm sure they're all dried out. But I feel like, but it's a new tube of mascara. And then I end up, it's like, I feel like I have all this junk in my bathroom. I don't need. I don't need probably 90% of the things in my bathroom. I can never completely clear off my bathroom counter because there's always something that has to be on it. Yes. Are you that way or are you? That was me. So I had like the open the cabinets, everything falls out kind of a thing. And every, my makeup drawer, I could barely shut it. Right. But then I, I watched I have that. 20, me. I have 20 tubes of uh, Bath and Body Works. Oh yeah. Because you can't that. just throw it away if you're not done, but then you get bored and want a new flavor or you get it as a gift. So oh. then you, <laughs> just do you see what up. I'm saying? I have a problem. <laughs> I, well, Marie does these things with like little boxes and she puts little boxes in drawers and that inspired me. I was like, okay, so just to organize just to keep things separated because you know you have a drawer you pull out and it's just right. like and you can buy organizers but she just comes over to people's houses with these little boxes little boxes and so I had I kind of found some boxes of things like I had this big set from um some makeup thing that I got that had all these little boxes so I just took them all apart and set them in there and then most of the stuff that was on my counter that I use every day now has a space I mean, this is brand new for me. Like normally it's just everywhere. And then I went through and I actually just threw away the stuff that I don't use or it's expired or, and now it's like this happy place. I mean, this is new for me to have like an organized bathroom. So don't worry about your memories and all this stuff. Start with the stuff that you deal with every single day. So your closet and your shower. In our shower, like what products? Like, okay, we have a step that I'm assuming is, you know, yeah. to sit on. I guess if you're tired of the shower or if you're shaving, whatever, it has about 30 bottles on it because oh we've got um, the current <laughs> soap that we're using, um, my current shampoo and conditioner. I have a face wash, but then my husband wants to have a different kind of um, yeah. face wash. And then he also has shaving cream, but I think he might have two kinds of shaving cream just because he didn't throw the other one away, but bought a new one. Yeah. Um, there's probably just a random lid that's sitting there. Uh, he has a razor. I think there's a loofah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's never ending. But I, yeah. when I look at it, I feel like, oh, well, but we need all of that. So I can't. Yes. I can't get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, that kind Does of sounds reasonable. your shower look like that? <laughs> Ours is pared down a little bit. We just have shampoo and conditioner, then my face wash and a razor. I feel like there's way body too wash. many things in my shower. See, I'm telling you, yeah. I have a problem. I really need to be on that show. I don't need to just watch it. She needs to come to my house. You could do but a whole season just on me. Just start, start with the places that you see every day that you, and it brings you so much joy. Mm-hmm. Do you, yeah. um, is your bathtub where you hang up clothes that don't really go in the closet? Like you just wore it for an hour and so you'll probably wear it tomorrow or the day after. So you don't really want to hang it up. I'm just going to lay it on the tub. Ours is the chair. So I have a chair and Billy has a bench. Okay. 
so those but everybody are like, has a place those are like the crap chair and mm-hmm. bench that should look pretty and like be where we like read in the morning but it's really like where when i'm just trying to pick stuff off off the floor it goes there okay because yeah and, and someone else told me about about um a one- until someone comes over exactly until my mom comes to oh visit. no one's ever been in my room i remember one time i was having a party and i had a girlfriend i went under it upstairs she goes oh let's go and i turned around and i said oh hang on i'll be right back <laughs> You can't come to my room <laughs> because you know that's where I've thrown all the stuff that yeah. was downstairs. It's just in my room right now yeah. sitting on my bed. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm the worst about that. I don't even know where I was going to go afterwards. Oh, have you heard of the one touch system where? Oh, OK. So let's say that, um, you know, my kids have or I'm going to say me because I at one every, any given day, I'll have four pairs of shoes downstairs because you walk mm. in, you want to kick them off. Right. Right. Um, so. How many times have you picked up that pair of shoes? Do you live in a one-story home or two-story? Two. Okay. How many times have you picked up a pair of shoes and you take it to the steps? Okay. Next mm-hmm. time I go, I'm going to take that up. Mm-hmm. And then you maybe take it from the steps and you just put it like next to your bed. Yeah. And when we should be picking it up the very first time and walking it straight to the closet. Yeah. So I yeah. guess someone told me about that a long time ago. That yeah. They really focus on that one-touch system where yeah. once you touch it, go put it away. And yes. sometimes I'm very, I think about that and I try, but it's just so much easier to throw it on the end of the bed and then I'll get to it later. And then of right. course, 11 PM, you go to bed and you're like, Oh no, no, I've got junk on my bed and I'm so tired. <laughs> and that's when I put it over on the sofa. Right. We have like a little sitting area and that's, you know, cause I'm too tired to actually put it away. So, yeah. In fact, right now, yeah. if you came to my home, I think I have a load of towels and another load of something that came out of the dryer that I was too tired to fold. So it's on that sofa right now. Yeah. And that's what I tell the kids. Hey, you got clean tough. clothes in the spare room. They're on the bed. <laughs> Go get them. Uh, <laughs> do I yeah. sound like I really have a problem? <laughs> or this do I sound normal? <laughs> I think it's completely normal. But then I'm like stressed out about it for mm-hmm. myself. And so this is, I've started, um, well, I, start, I hired a cleaning person. I don't know if you have anyone that helps you clean. We have the maids um, that, okay. that, you know, we work with yes. and they yes. come in. Um, so yeah. that helps me twice a month. And then, um, uh, right now I don't have anyone, but I have hired babysitters in the past. Like if I ever have somebody help me in the summer, mm-hmm. part of the deal is like, can you just fold my laundry, put it away? Please help me. <laughs> and that is like, cause I can get it in the washer and the dryer, but just the, the actually completing it. Right. Um, is gold if somebody can do that. So does your husband help? He does help. Um, because I've noticed he, when my husband does yeah. laundry, it's because it's his stuff. He's really good about up. his oh, stuff. It's yeah. all of his work clothes and his baseball clothes. All right. Well, yeah. I'm glad those are clean. Yeah. He he has he has helped. He's actually really good at um, keeping things orderly more than me, which doesn't really seem like a drummer rock and roll kind hmm. of person. But he is more organized than me. But I've had to specifically say, don't just do your own stuff. Can yeah. you please help me with everything? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that mine's not the only mm-hmm. one. All right. Well, I'm, yeah. it's been really nice getting to know you. You know, you we've too. met and we've hung out, but we've never really got to just dive in. And yes. now I know that you're afraid if someone rings your doorbell. It's not just me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mostly because my laundry that is drying is all in my dining room. That The th- stuff that you're not supposed to put in the dryer. Right. And like then bras? When you, do you have bras in your dining room? Bras, jeans, all basically all my clothes because yep. I don't want them to shrink and be too tight. So when somebody walks in, I'm just like... Here's all my laundry, and that's embarrassing. I think mine is my kitchen counter. I don't want people to see my kitchen counter yeah. because it's covered with mail. And my husband... Okay, hold on. I'm going to go <laughs> off on a tangent now. When my husband brings in mail... Okay, so we have a junk part of the counter. 
put it that's where you put the other junk yeah no he spreads it out let's put a little mail on this side <laughs> of the counter and then the next day you know what this part is clean let's put some more mail on this side right. of the counter and then i just get angry and go ballistic and i feel like we always have something on the kitchen table that shouldn't be there and then we always have stuff in the dining room yeah. i mean our dining room just looks like again kind of like the spare room hey stuff that doesn't yeah. have a place but we don't want to throw it away we're yeah. just gonna put it on the dining room table for now yeah and it's been there oh for a year or so just sitting there because we never go in that room <laughs> It's so bad. All right, so I'm going to go watch that show on Netflix again. What's it called? Marie it's Kondo. tying up. Yeah, okay. Yes. No well, thank guilt. you so much yeah, for coming too. by. And we. I think we have definitely given out way too much information about ourselves. Probably so, yeah. Thanks for listening to TMI with Teresa. Get episode updates and read the TMI blog at TeresaMaxwell.com. Production and voice imaging provided by DJ Saad and Connor Quinn. Special thanks to Teresa's family, Billy, Chase, and Christian, for their occasional contributions, even though they aren't getting paid. Wait, am I getting paid? <laughs>